morning. How's everybody? Can we give God praise right quick? Let's give God praise. How many know we serve a good, good father? Amen. Is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Does it really matter what happened on the way to church? Does it matter at all? We are here. Amen. Well, my name is Scott Turner, and I'm so honored to be before you today. Uh, I serve on the ministry team here, and uh, our pastor, Dr. Jack Graham, is preaching in his birthplace of Conway, Arkansas this morning, so we're praying for Pastor Graham. Pastor Jonathan T. Uh, preached an anointed, powerful word of God this morning, and we thank the Lord for Pastor Jonathan, and I'm so grateful to all of you that are here in the house of God and those that are worshiping with us online. Welcome. We thank you. And uh, we expect God to do amazing things in us today because he is God and he is sovereign. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our series, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Last Sunday, Pastor Graham began a new sub-series or a subsection, if you will, on the seven miracles of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. And he taught in that first miracle when Jesus attended the wedding celebration and he turned the water into wine. Anybody remember that message from last week? If you didn't hear it, I encourage you to go listen to it. But this morning, we're going to discuss the second of these miracles and look at what it means to have a desperate faith. That's the title of our message this morning, Desperate Faith. I looked in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. If you don't have one, I would encourage you to get one. He was a wonderful man of God. Desperate means without hope, period. Desperate, to be desperate means to be without hope. How many of you here this morning, either in the church or online, have ever at some point in your Christian walk struggled with your faith? Let me see your hand. How many have struggled? Amen. A lot of transparency in the house this morning. You struggled with your faith. I know in my own life there's been seasons where not only has my faith been challenged, but it has been a challenge in and of itself just to believe. Due to circumstances, my own disobedience, my own failures, lack of commitment to the Lord and to His Word, or fixing my eyes on things that I see instead of fixing my eyes on the promises, the power, and the presence of God in my life. Doubt starts to creep in. Fear shows its ugly head. The devil is lying. I'm desperate. You're desperate. You feel this sense of hopelessness. Anybody been there before? You may be there right now. You may be in here or online this morning. You say, well, Pastor Scott, that's me. You may not even be a believer in the Lord Jesus as of yet. You may still be searching, still learning, still evaluating. You may even be a skeptic. But whatever the case is this morning, whatever the case may be, because we are here, because we are in this house and worshiping together, we are winning. Can I get an amen? amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm winning today. I'm winning because I'm here. The devil didn't want me to be here, but I'm here this morning, no matter what your case may be. We're a team. We're God's team. 
Everybody struggles with their faith at some point in their life. Everyone's had doubt at some point in their life, but you are in the right place at the right time with the right people this morning. And if you have challenges in your faith, my prayer this morning is that just a little while, that you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. It says this, So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Now here he is, Jesus. Prior to coming back to Cana in Galilee, he was in Samaria where he spent a couple of days. And this is for background purposes. He had been on a journey, if you will, and the Bible says that on his journey he got tired and he was weary. He had already previously been in Cana of Galilee at the wedding celebration where he turned the water into wine. He had encountered Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a Pharisee religious leader and teacher, if you will, and taught him and challenged him about being born again. And we see in John 3.16, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you know that this is the salvation gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, he was resting at Jacob's well in Samaria, and a Samaritan woman came along, and he said, give me a drink. And this took her back. She said, why are you speaking to me? Jews do not fool or associate with Samaritans. But Jesus, at that moment, weary as he was, spoke into the life and the situation of this Samaritan woman and told her everything about herself. And she was convicted as she went into the town and she told everybody about what happened. And the Bible says, based upon the testimony of this Samaritan woman, that the Samaritans too believed. A great life application here. When you share your faith in Christ, there's salvation power in your testimony to others. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Go tell somebody. So now in John 4, back in Galilee, the Bible says that there is an official. How many know that Jesus at this point was on the move? He was carrying out the heavenly mission of his father. No grass was growing under his feet, even in his weariness. He died to himself and preached the gospel because he wanted everyone to know the salvation gospel of Jesus Christ. Let that be a great encouragement for us. But here's this official. 
whose son is sick at the point of death. And for background purposes, this father was a nobleman, or he was a king's man, most likely in the court of Herod, the pagan, ungodly king. But he was a man of wealth and means and resource and access to resource. But regardless of his wealth, regardless of his resource, regardless of his position and his friend group, none of those things could bring healing to his son, which is what he wanted. And I want to make a note here. This nobleman, this official, or this father was at a critical point. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but I wonder, had he already exhausted all of his earthly resources and connections and human capacity in attempts to help his son? And that coming to Jesus was a last-ditch effort, his last option. And this challenged me. Because it's easy in this life to rely on our own resources, to rely on our own position, to rely on our own power and access to get things done, to handle certain situations. But when those things don't work out, then we go to Jesus. When those things don't work out, then we start praying and seeking the Father. Well, that's backwards thinking. That's backwards going. The Bible says in Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This church is a life principle for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't go to the Lord after you have exhausted all of your resources, after everything else hadn't worked out in a last-ditch effort. Go to Jesus first. The Bible says he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't go to him last, but what? Come to him first. Do you bear witness with that? Now, this father most likely heard that Jesus turned the water into wine in the Cana. Everyone in that region was talking about the moves and the miracle and the ministry of Jesus. And when you look at the text, it's obvious that this father has a form of faith, albeit a superficial faith, a form of faith based upon the potential of signs and wonders and miracles. He heard about Jesus. He believed that Jesus had the power to do a miracle, but he did not yet believe in Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, the deity of Jesus. But nevertheless, there's some things that we can learn from this father who exemplified a desperate faith. He shows us the power of having faith in Jesus Christ by, number one, moving toward Jesus in belief. Look at verse 46 and 47. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made water into wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. He heard that Jesus had come to Galilee. And he went to him. He heard and he went. He heard about it and he did something. He put his feet to the pavement or then to the dirt and he went. He went himself. Here's a father of a child 
that took the initiative himself. He humbled himself. He put his pride aside. Remember, this guy is a nobleman. He is a man of the king, but yet he put his pride aside. He humbled himself. He didn't send his servant. He didn't send his wife. He didn't send his buddies. He heard. He activated his faith, and he went. That's a good lesson for us men, for us fathers in the church this morning and those that are listening online. This man activated his faith. God has called men, the fathers, to be the head of the household, the leaders of our family. We're the ones who need to take the reins of spiritual leadership and discipleship in our homes. We must constantly and consistently humble ourselves before the Lord, put our pride aside, and grow daily in our relationship with Jesus. It's not our wives' job to lead our family in faith. Our wives, yes, Lord, are indeed our kingdom partners. But it is the role and the, and the, and the job of the fathers to be the true disciples of our families. Ephesians 5, 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The father of this sick child took it upon himself to go to Jesus. He asked him to heal his son, who literally was dying. He was at the point of death. And as I read this over and over this week, it jumped out to me that this father made the ask. He was laser focused. He had a made up mind. He needed help. He was desperate without hope when he went to the Lord. I remember years ago when I was serving in the House of Representatives, I was running for Speaker of the Texas House. And I was laying out all my policies to all the 149 other members, telling them why they should vote for me as the Speaker of the House. I was laying it out, telling them, this is what I believe, this is how I lead, this is my conviction. And one of the uh, other representatives said, man, I got you, I love you, I think that's great, but you need to make the ask. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And it really means to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Take the initiative. Go to Jesus in your desperation and make the ask. Don't send somebody else, you go. Don't lean on somebody else's faith, you go. When you are desperate, you fall on your knees to Jesus. You hear his word. You see where he is. Go to Jesus and ask. Sometimes when we go to the Lord, we have no confidence. Not really sure if we should ask. Anybody been there before? 1 John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When you go to the Lord, go in confidence. Ask in faith, believing that what you have asked, you will receive from the Lord Jesus. Amen? This father right here needed help. He heard Jesus was in town. He said, come to my house and heal my son. Literally right here, what it was, he was begging Jesus. 
He was begging him to heal his son. He didn't go in there cute and dignified and noble like he, he was begging the Messiah, please, Jesus, heal my son. Come now, heal my son. He had a desperate faith. How about you this morning? Do you have a desperate faith? He showed us the power of having faith in Jesus because, number two, he was persistent in his faith. Look at verse 48 and 49. It says, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, oh, shoot, sorry, go back to verse 48. That's on me. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe, verse 48. Verse 49, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus says to this father that you only believe because of signs and wonders. And when you first read this, said, man, that's kind of a cold response to a dude in a bad situation. That's a harsh response to this father who is hurting, who has humbled himself, who is crawling on his knees, begging Jesus to heal his son. But when Jesus spoke that to him, he said, you, it's, a, it's plural. In some verses it says, you people. So Jesus wasn't just speaking to the Father right here. He was speaking to all of the Galileans. There there surely was people all around Jesus, throngs of people early on in his ministry. And so Jesus said, you people standing here, you just believe in signs and wonders and waiting for me to do a miracle so that you can affirm your faith. You want to see a sign so you can believe. Pastor Jonathan T. this morning said, these are miracle addicts. We still have miracle addicts today in the Christian faith. The Father himself, he thought that Jesus would come to his house and do his magic and heal his son. And even today as I was thinking about this and talking to our pastor, we have people in the church and all of us have been guilty of this. We have people that still want to see Jesus do miracles in order that we may believe. Y'all quiet on that, but that's okay. I'm going to preach the truth. (laughs) We want to see it, Lord. I want to believe, but you got to show me something. I read a quote from Pastor Jack Graham. It said this, even today, those who are constantly seeking for signs and wonders and miracles to confirm their faith may be missing the intent of such things to know Jesus himself. If we focus on sensationalism, miracles and signs, our focus is not on Christ himself, who alone is sufficient. Can the church say amen? Jesus wanted the Father and the people surrounding him to go beyond trusting in the miracles themselves and trust in the Lord. Go beyond the signs and wonders and trust in the Messiah. In verse 49, the man says, sir, come down before my child dies. Humbly, 
he was speaking to Jesus, Lord, I hear you. I'm not going to argue about what you're saying about the signs and wonders. I'm not going to deny what you're speaking to us, Jesus. I fully understand, but my heart is broken for my son. Please come down. I am desperate for your help. This is a nobleman, a man of the king's court with all the resource in the world, but he was empty before Jesus because his resource could not bring life back to his son, sir. He humbled himself. He called Jesus, sir. He recognized his place and his authority. Please, Come heal my son. He cut out all the outside noise. He cut out all the chatter from those surrounding him and Jesus. He was persistent in his faith. He didn't get distracted. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. He was in the presence of the Lord. And he was not going to let anything hinder him or keep him. From getting to Jesus, he literally was following Jesus around. Sir, Lord, please come heal my son. He was persistent. Oftentimes, and I walk with the Lord, and I know this is true even for myself. The smallest things can throw us off course and knock us off the faith train. The noise of the world, the chatter of others, a correction from our spiritual leaders and authority, a simple bump in the road. If it's that easy to throw us off course, if it is that easy to stifle and hinder our faith, you and I, we need to all take inventory and check ourselves to see if we really have a genuine faith in the Lord. If it's that easy to throw me off, if it's that easy to throw you off, we need to check and see do we really have a true foundation and genuine faith in the Lord Jesus. Be careful not to be moved so easily. Don't give up on your faith in the Lord. Stand strong. Stay persistent. Stay focused on Jesus. And like this, Father, you shall not be moved. Amen? Amen. Be steadfast and immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. The boy's father showed us the power of having faith in Jesus by taking Jesus at his word and obeying him. Look at verse 50. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Go, your son will live. Before he did the miracle, he told him to go. Before the healing came, he gave him a command and said, go. Do y'all hear Jesus saying go in your life today? He's saying go, but the question is, are you putting feet to the pavement? Are you hearing Jesus give you a command today? You're asking him. You're seeking him. He's giving you a command, but are you going is the question. Are you doing what he says to do? Go, your son will live. Imagine how this father must have felt looking into the eyes of Jesus, the Messiah, face to face, and hearing these words come out of his mouth. 
Look at the Bible. He didn't start arguing with them. He didn't have a long, drawn-out conversation. He didn't start questioning Jesus. Sometimes when we get a word from the Lord, we say, well, Lord, are you sure? I don't know if that's you or if that's just me. We start having these long, drawn-out conversations, and Jesus is standing there like, I told you to go. Well, Lord, it's just not working out in my life. I don't understand. I told you to go. Well, Lord, I'm having struggles. I told you to go. That's all right. Y'all don't have to clap. It's okay. Raise your hand if you're ready to go. And I'm not talking about the lunch. I know y'all ready to go to lunch. That's all right. I'm going to keep preaching. He said, go. Amen. He heard what the Lord said, and he went. He heard what Jesus told him, and he went. We get an opportunity every day to hear what the Lord is saying, but the question is, are you going? We get an opportunity every day to be on our knees before Jesus and listen to the Spirit of the Lord in our life, but the question is, are you going? He heard him. He said, go, and your son will live and he went. James 2.26 says this, faith without works is what? Faith without action is dead. This man had a desperate faith. He was at the end of his rope, and he activated his faith, and he obeyed Jesus. I'm encouraged in this. But I want to serve as a reminder this morning. Don't wait till you get to the end of your rope to activate your faith and obey God. Start Now, go from the jump. Start today. Take Jesus at his word. Trust in him and go. When you read this Bible, say, yes, Lord, I believe. Don't wait till you get to the end. Don't wait till you start struggling. Don't wait till you start failing. Don't wait till all you know what is breaking loose in your life. Go now. From the start, from the jump. Man, when I was in the NFL, And Jerry Rice is running at me, or Randy Moss, or Michael Irvin, you know, all them big guys, big receiver, Hall of Fame dudes, right? I wasn't standing there and said, okay, let me contemplate this and see what I'm going to do. <laughs> I wasn't starting, hey man, hold on, let me, see, let me talk to you right quick. No, I had to go, or I had to leave because I would have got cut. <laughs> Are y'all with me? The train is running. Christianity is not a standstill type deal. Life is moving. Jesus, I, said, I gave you the background, Jesus is active. He's not sitting around waiting on somebody telling him what to do. He already had his directive from heaven. He came, and he went, and now he's back sitting at the right hand of God, and he's coming again. Amen? How many know he's always on the move? So should we be sitting still? Get off the sideline. That's not in my notes, but I said it. Get off the sideline and get in the game. Amen? Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, or the conviction of things not seen. The world says seeing is believing. But our faith in the Lord Jesus said believing is seeing for us. 
2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't have to see to believe. We already believe because we've seen Jesus do the miracle. We believe him and we take him at his word. Seeing Jesus is good enough. We may not see it right now, but we believe. We may not see the full manifestation of what we are asking and believing God for, but we believe. Because God said it, I believe it. Amen? Hebrews 11 and 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Church, everyone under the sound of my voice and watching online, this is why we must keep seeking God, running after Jesus, worshiping him, staying on our faith before God, staying in the word, constantly praying, constantly in fellowship. I'm going through a Bible study right now called uh, Experiencing God with some of my friends and our son, and it says this, if we have an obedience problem, we have a love problem. If we're having issues trusting Jesus and taking him at his word and obeying him, we have a love problem. We need to check our heart and see if we really do have a genuine, bona fide love relationship with Jesus. If you are having an issue obeying him and trusting him and moving in him, then you have a love issue. And that's okay, but just recognize what the issue is and get it fixed. Amen? Do you take Jesus at his word is the question. Do you immediately obey him? Jesus said, go, your son will live in verses 51 through 53. And the Bible says that the man went on the road to go see his son. And I bet, you know, it's about 20 miles from Capernaum to Galilee. I bet when he was on the road going to see his son, he was envisioning his son sitting up in the bed with a smile on his face, all healed up, and no fever. Oh, by the way, that fever right there means that he literally was on fire. And now this man hears from Jesus, go, your son will live, and he's on the road envisioning sin and holding his son, jumping into the loving arms of his father. And verse 51 says that while he was traveling on the road, his servants met him and informed him that his son was recovering. And I bet when he heard this, Pastor Jonathan, that he started jumping for joy. My little boy is well. How many got children in here? You're only as happy as your happiest child. Amen. When your children are sick, it just burns you up. It, it hurts you so bad. And now they say your son has recovered. A relieved and grateful father he was. And I was thinking about this, and it challenged me to my core. And I asked myself, do I always have a heart of thanksgiving for the Lord? How often do we just say, thank you, Jesus? Not just in those times where he performs a miracle. But how often do we say, Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Lord, thank you for just who you are. Lord, thank you, Jesus. How many have said that lately? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
How many know he's a good, good father? Verse 52, he said, when did he start feeling better? And they said, well, uh, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. That's about 1 o'clock on the Jewish time. 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yesterday. They met him on a... This man stayed in Galilee an extra time. You would have thought this man in all his desperation had a desperate faith when Jesus said go, that he would have sprinted home. Well, scholars say he may have stayed in the market and took care of some business and done some work. You said, man, how in the world can this be? Because he was with Jesus. He took him at his word. He went to Jesus anxious, troubled, in desperation. But when Jesus said, go, your son will live, everything in this man's life changed. Don't you know when you spend time with Jesus, your life has got to change. He waited. Why? Because he know if Jesus said it, it was done. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. Take Jesus at his word. He said, your son will live. He said, okay, done. Drop the mic, no conversation. I want my faith to be that strong. When Jesus says the word, Lord, I believe. No question. How about you? A couple things I want to point out, and as we close. God is not a man. He cannot lie. And my challenge to us this morning, do you believe him? Do you believe his word? Do you take his word for what it is true for you today? Jesus said the son would live at that very hour. Don't you know that God always shows up right on time? There's never been a time in my life where God did not show up right on time. He's never late. Now, he may not have come when I thought he should come, <laughs> but he's never late. He's always right on time. The Bible says in Isaiah that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And look at verse 53. The father knew that the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. He went from having a desperate faith to wanting to see Jesus do a miracle to now having a godly conviction and a true belief, not just in the power of but in the person of Jesus. And the Bible says that his whole household was saved. My last point is that his faith impacted his entire house. Imagine him going home and seeing his little boy sitting up in the bed playing with his siblings, playing with his mama, saying, Daddy, let me tell you what happened. So, oh, son, I know what happened. I saw Jesus. 
I went desperate. I went anxious. I went to see the miracle-working power of Jesus. But when I saw him face-to-face, my life changed. And not only do I believe in the power of God, but I believe in Jesus, the Messiah. And I want to tell y'all about this Jesus. And this whole house was saved. Men, are we telling our families and everyone around us about Jesus? Our faith impacts everyone around us. Amen. Amen. Daily time with the Lord. Developing a conviction with the Lord Jesus. Time in prayer. Time in his word. Time in fellowship. What you do in darkness are you doing in light? Do you know Jesus for yourself? You may have come in here one way today, but it's in my prayer that you leave out of here a whole greater way in the Lord. Persistent in your faith, moving toward Jesus, taking Jesus at his word and sharing your testimony about God. Are you willing today? Are you ready to trust him? Rejoice in the Lord. Always pray without ceasing. As we close this morning, this noble man, this official, this father, he had a desperate faith. He didn't let anything stop him from seeing Jesus. He was begging Jesus to heal his son, and Jesus did what he said he would do. There are some people in this church this morning, some that are online worshiping this morning, that are in a desperate situation. You may feel hopeless. You may feel that you're at the end of your rope. You don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. You may be struggling in your faith. Some of you here have been praying for your wife or praying for your husband to come to know Jesus. You're praying for wayward children, praying for a job or a financial recovery or a health issue. This church, in this house, online, there are some here today that need Jesus. Amen? And we are not leaving this house today until we go to the altar of the Lord and lay our burdens at his feet to know him as Jesus, as Lord and Savior, to let him take every pain, every struggle, every fear away from us because he's God and he is a good, good father. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's stand. What our time of invitation We just saw the story of a man who had a desperate faith. He heard about Jesus and he went. He took action. We've heard the story. We've heard the gospel. We've heard the scriptures this morning. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And like Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There are people here this morning that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Today is your day. You are with your family. There's people here who need to be prayed with and for. Our pastors are going to be here down front to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, come. The altar of the Lord is open. Come to this altar and to these steps. We will pray with you and for you. You may want to know Jesus. Today is your day. You may need to get baptized in believer's baptism. You may want to join the church this morning. We are here for you.
Does everybody bear witness? Jesus is Lord. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, we're going to pray this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Scott, I hear the gospel of Jesus. I don't know him for myself. I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. But I want to be saved from my sin. We all need a Savior for all have fallen short of the glory of God. If you're here this morning and you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, just slip up your hand, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you want to accept Jesus as Lord, I see you. I see you. Keep your hands up where I can see you. You want Jesus to become Lord and Savior of your life. Just slip your hand up where I can see you. I see you in the balcony. I see you. The presence of the Lord is here. All the church is praying together. Christians are praying for those that are here. You can put your hand down. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, you say, I want to have a true faith. I'm going through with my family, my husband, my wife, my children, my finances. If you're here this morning and you want us to pray for you, let me see your hand. Slip your hand up if you need us to pray. I see you. I see you. We've all been there. I see you. Amen. As the music begins, the altar will be open. For those of you who lift your hand up and you need prayer, why don't you start making your time right now, making your way in the aisles and come front, down front to the altar. And we want to pray with you. Make your way to the aisles right now. If you want to accept Jesus as Lord, make your way to the aisles and come on down front. The pastors are here to pray with you. Amen. Our decision encouragers are here. If you need prayer, come to the altar. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these who have raised their hands. Father God, for those who want to accept you as Lord and your Savior, we pray. Pray a prayer like this if you want Jesus to be Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you that you love me. Thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn away. Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my Savior. I give myself to you. Thank you, Jesus, that I am no longer alone, but now I am part of the family of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text Jesus to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, 
text the word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.